You are listening to the Critical Mass Radio Show, Orange County's business talk show focused on exploring topics of interest to CEOs who are leading middle market companies with your host, Richard Franzi. Welcome to this edition of Critical Mass Radio Show and Podcast, and I am your host, Richard Franzi. This is podcast episode number 1,152. Greed is arguably the most common underlying problem when it comes to fraud, lies, illegal actions, and regulations. But it's the people of society who end up paying the price. CEO of DLB Financial Services, Debbie Boyd, is here to share how and when ethics and morals are ruined, the innocents pay, and the never-ending cycle continues. Debbie Boyd, welcome to Critical Mass Radio Show and Podcast. Hi, thanks so much for having me. Uh, I'm excited to have you on the show. That's an interesting tease that we wrote for your interview, and I'm wondering if we could start, before we get into the substance of what you do, can you share us with us a little bit about your background, sort of an interesting story that helped form you as a professional? Sure. So, you know, I have a degree in both journalism and business from the University of Texas, and Back in the day, in the 80s, when I got my journalism degree, there was no made-up stuff like there is now. There was who, what, when, where, and why. It was all very black and white. And now we've kind of entered into this gray world. Um, In the business world, the exact same thing. Things were right or wrong. Things were against the law or not against the law. And I have gotten my business world in various um, different companies that I work with and different licenses. My world is still very black and white. So why the the rest of the world is very gray, what I do in the business that I'm in every day has not changed. Morals and values and standards do not change. So what is, and tell us a little bit about DLB Financial Services. Well, you know, I, I got in the business about 20 years ago in the mortgage business. And I had um, a, a great, I mean, I still have a great thriving mortgage business. I help people do, you know, forward mortgages, FHA, conventional mortgages, and I do reverse mortgages for seniors. When I got divorced um, about seven or eight years ago, I, I decided, you know, I had referred a lot of business in my, in my world of the mortgage world to financial advisors that were friends of mine. And they're like, Debbie, you know what we do. Why don't you just become one of us? You have the morals and ethics and standards that we do. Will you come and work with us? And that way you can have a book of business. And instead of giving away all that money, you would be able to maintain a book of business and can grow old with that business. You know, the mortgage business, I have to recreate it every month. The uh, securities business and insurance business goes on and on and on. Um, So I had my insurance license. That's the kind of business that I had before with my ex-husband. And I I got a securities license. which allows me to invest money for people and help them with their financial planning needs. And so those three businesses are very separate. People don't normally get licenses in all three. They are one or the other. And so what DLB Financial Services, when I created that, it helped me kind of put an umbrella over everything that I do. So when people come to me, they may come to me with one area of of expertise needed, and they end up being a client of mine in two or three or all categories of business that I do. So you do a lot of things. I mean, I know that you're active on social media, that you host a a show and have in the past. Uh, What what is it that, in the open, we took on a pretty big topic, you know, of greed, 
right. how does greed work into the normal business practices of what you do every day, Debbie? You, you know, there's a lot of things. You know, there's greed from the salespeople um, that are actually selling products today. So um, a lot of people are misrepresenting and selling people things they don't need. And so I'm in three highly regulated uh, industries, and all of them have an equally bad reputation, right. I'm sad to say. So, you know, you really have to stay above the fray. And that's really when I got into the radio business was about 2008. And that's when everything was falling apart, 2007. Um, and I, I got on the radio because I kept saying the same thing in my office every day. You know, the market isn't going to go down forever. It's going to come back. Um, securities are still a, a, a safe thing to invest in. That's, that's what we have as a stock market. And in mortgages, even though there are some bad, evil mortgages out there that we all had to do subprime stuff, and maybe um, they po- packaged them separately and wrong, that didn't affect what I was doing every day. I was still giving mortgages to people that were legal. It was the packaging them that really messed up everything and, and kind of threw 2008 into a tailspin. But it put um, financial services in a really bad light. So everything I was doing was considered um, bad. Um, you know, evil people, bad people. Someone had to be blamed for all that. Right. So so what is it that you're hoping to accomplish by being here on the radio show today? We talk with CEOs and business owners and executives about a variety of topics, and, and you seem to have a lot of experience and knowledge in areas that could be helpful to them. What would you like to share or transfer the knowledge to these guests that are listening to our show today, Debbie? Well, you know, I think there's a lot of us out there in the business world in these industries that are, you know, my goal is to help educate people and save people. And I think that's what it's really come down to over the years. I figure if I don't help them, they are going to go somewhere else, and maybe that person isn't as conscientious as I am. And they're going to either sell them something they don't need, charge them a higher interest rate, charge them higher fees with their securities and need be, or put them in things that are dangerous for them in their retirement, and therefore their families and their legacy. So my view of things now has kind of changed over the years is I'm trying to get to everybody to make sure they're, they're making good, sound decisions and not basing their decisions off fear or letting bad guys um, take control of their money. You know, we've been in a very positive climate for a number of years as we've recovered out of the Great Recession. But we're going to be, ultimately, there's cycles in every economy, and there's going to be a downturn cycle. Sure. What do you you worry about, or what do you think could be happening? You know, let's start now. Are people getting greedy because they've been so used to these great returns, or are they they keeping their heads about them? No. I mean, everybody, you know, everybody thinks the interest rates ought to be down on the three still, and they're getting kind of pissy that they're up into the five. And by next year, with the Fed increasing the interest rate a quarter of a percent every time every time they meet, which is every quarter, we'll be at 6% by next year. That's a healthy return that banks haven't gotten in years. And now that uh, maybe people that have money in CDs are going to actually be able to make a little bit of money rather than nothing. So the economy is going well. That's why the Fed is increasing rates. I think a lot of people are uh, only know of the up market since 2007 or eight. A lot of the millennials and younger professionals that are in the business have not seen a downturn in the stock market. You know, since they've been in the business, it's only gone up. So I'm preparing my clients for what's going to happen. It's going to drop 20 to 25% soon. We don't know when, 
I, I would say before the next election, when we are choosing a president, because that's when it always gets volatile. The markets get unsure, like who is going to be regulating them. And I think this um, this needs to be presented now. So, of course, my people are scared that, oh, my gosh, should I take my money out of the market? No, no, because then you're going to be missing the returns you're going to make for the next year and a half. Stay in now while it's still going up, and we'll worry about it when it starts getting a little volatile in the next year and a half. Don't step out of the market now. Um, the other thing that I need to explain is that, you know, a lot of the baby boomers are aging, and they've been greedy for a long time. It's sad to say that, you know, it's been an up market. They've always made more money, lived on credit, and now what we're seeing happen is they're outliving their income, and they have spent like crazy, and a lot of them have spent themselves into the poorhouse, and um, a lot of people are going into foreclosure. A lot of families uh, need a downsize, and I'm helping people with reverse mortgages, maybe sell their house and buy a smaller house on a reverse mortgage. That way they don't have to make any of their payments in retirement years. You know, they should have planned better. But, you know, they got greedy. They, they've lived beyond their means. And we're going to see many, many more uh, bankruptcies and foreclosures in the next 10 to 15 years. And baby boomers trying to figure out how to get more money because they're living longer than they anticipated. They've spent more than they should have. So, so what advice, when you have someone who comes into your office who may be in that situation, what do you tell them they should do? Well, we kind of have to check the greed and pride boxes first, and that's a lot of our problem. Uh, kids that are in their 50s that are like my age, I'm 54, so kids my age are calling me about their parents, and mom and dad at 70 are spending all their money, are spending all their, the parents' money. They're spending their own money. And it's not like the kids are worried about getting something left to them. It's that mom and dad aren't going to have enough, and we don't want to take care of them. Hmm. They have spent too much, and we don't think they're spending responsibly. And what I'm telling these parents that are, I hate to tell, you know, grown-ups in their 70s that you're kind of prideful and greedy. You know, you're, they don't want to sell their $500,000 house and their club membership. Um, but they need to because they can't afford the house payments. They can't afford the property taxes on their homes. They've got to downsize, and they don't want to. They've never downsized their whole life. And they feel like it's, um, it's not only a letdown, but it's an embarrassment because they have to live within their means. And a lot of them have already gone through their 401Ks and their pension plan. And, you know, Social Security was never meant for the total retirement income. It was meant to supplement retirement income. So that was my question. Are you finding people as they approach retirement age or what they hope to be their retirement age, uh, unfortunately realizing that maybe they're not in the financial position to be able to live on less income? What I'm seeing is you're either very prepared and you've got a couple million dollars in the bank or investments, you know, in securities or real estate, or you're out of money. There's really not a lot of in-between. There may be a few people with two or 300000 and they live on, you know, they set it up like an annuity to get a paycheck every month, um, and then they get their Social Security money, and they're comfortable. But there's so many people out there that are not living within their means, and then, like at 70, 72, they're down to their Social Security money, and that's all. And they've leveraged their house. Maybe they've got a second lien on their house, and they're having to make house payments now. So that Social Security money is going to make living house payments. And then, of course, you know, you trade that traveling money in your early retirement to to become, like, health care money. 
you, you have more surgeries, more operations. Medicare doesn't cover everything. Um, even if you get Medicare supplements, they don't cover everything. And so people are like, oh, my gosh, I how did this happen? I don't have enough. And it's been, you know, greedy all the way through. So what I'm trying to explain to people in their 50s, and, you know, a lesson that I've learned is that you've got to pair back now um, so that you have enough time. We're living longer than ever right now. Um, you can't live like there's no tomorrow because there is a tomorrow. So, you know, uh, the days of getting a defined pension from a major employer that is a foundation for your retirement plan is all but over in this country. And so for younger younger uh, customers of yours who don't have that opportunity, what kind of advice are you giving to them? You know, you need to save 10 to 15% of what you earn. And, and a lot of people aren't doing that. A lot of things that we're seeing uh, through this younger generation is um, going to affect the real estate market. It already has. So I also talk about real estate here in the United States and what's going on. And um, last week I gave an interview about why apartment complexes, these mega apartment complexes are cropping up that are very luxurious. They've got the granite and, and the, um, the stone floors and hardwood floors, and they're very luxurious. And that's because these people are uh, waiting to marry um, into their 30s. They're not, they're not buying a house because they're not settled with their jobs. They're much more mobile. They're not staying with one job. They may have five jobs by the time they're 30. So we're going to see a trend very different than what we've seen before. So the, the first-time home buyers are much older now. And they want more established homes. They want prettier homes. They don't want to do fixer-uppers. So um, the whole the whole market, the whole country is going to go through a bit of a metamorphosis with, with our younger workers. And what does that mean to those people that own homes that are sort of thinking that's a possible piggy bank for their future retirement? Do you see some sectors of the home market actually having depressed pricing? Sure. So anything over, well, it depends on the market, of course, but um, most cities, um, the higher priced homes slow, sell slower and the, 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 the really basic um, 100, 200, now first time home buyers are, the, the pricing of their homes are up to 250, 300,000 for a first time home buyer. When I was a first time home buyer, I bought a $70,000 house and fixed it up. These kids are 30, uh, expecting their first children, and they're buying a $300,000 house. They want something different. So those people that are in the 100, 200, and the, the low 300s, um, their houses better be well-maintained. They better be updated. You can't live in a house for 10 years and try to sell it because you're competing against other brand-new homes or updated homes. So we're seeing people learning that they can't sell it as is anymore. They've got to put money into it to keep it updated before they even sell it. And that really hasn't happened before. So if someone, boy, you're just a, you're just filled with good quality information. If someone... <laughs> just skipping around a lot. No, it's great. Learn. If somebody would like to learn more about you, Debbie Bloyd, how do they find you online? Where do you suggest they go? I know you have a lot of vectors into the digital marketplace. Sure. I, I have a website called moneystrategieswithdebbie.com. And there they can find video and, and podcasts. They can also find uh, blogs that I do and information on how to get a hold of me. Uh, I do, because I do mortgages through one company and securities through another, that's the easiest way. They can find me on Facebook. I'm under Debbie Bloyd. Um, and so they can look me up. My last name is my dad's name, B-L-O-Y-D. 
so it's a little different. Um, but Money Strategies with Debbie can get them to me. And, and I'll be happy to help them with, you know, we talk about long-term care. We talk about stretching money to retirement. We talk about um, disability policies. Really, everything that makes a well-rounded person, we got to cover all these bases. So they can say no to a category, but they should at least have it brought to their attention. I want to thank you for being a friend of the program and welcome you to the Critical Mass community, Debbie Bloyd. Thank you so much for having me. This has been a real pleasure. I enjoyed it. I'd also like to thank our engineer, none other than Paul Roberts, and our three producers without whom we could not do this show. Joan Park, Crystal Nunley, and Haley Stern. If you'd like to connect with me, why don't we start on LinkedIn. I'm Richard Franzi, F-R-A-N-Z-I. And until our next show, hope all of your business decisions will move your company in a positive direction. You have been listening to Critical Mass Radio Show Business Talk Show, focused on exploring topics of interest to CEOs who are leading middle market companies. With your host, Richard Franzi.